It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Locked on Thunder podcast. I am Brady Trantham. For the next 30 minutes or so, you're going to be locked on Thunder. Apologies for this one coming out a little bit later. I don't know if I've said it on this podcast or another podcast. That's probably about the most cliche thing that a podcast host can say because all us podcasters, we do so many. It's hard to keep track of where we actually say things. But uh, this week on the franchise, I'm actually filling in on the morning show uh, for Mike Steely. And so I basically have to wake up at 4, 4.30 every morning. We do our morning show uh, from 5.30 till 9. And last night, I watched the national championship game. And then I tried to fall asleep. Actually did. I had been paying attention to the Thunder game. I was going to wake up a little bit earlier and watch it before I went to work this morning. Uh, but I had I'd woken up. And I, I, knew that I knew about the whole Shea Gillis Alexander thing. I'd woken up. Because I basically was inspired to write about Shea Gilles Alexander. I, I had like a few lines in my head. And so I got up and just basically wrote until I finished the story. And you can find that at thefranchiseok.com. It's just, just look for the picture with Shea Gilles Alexander. It has it doesn't really have that much to do with the 2020-10 triple-double that he had last night in, in and of itself. Just mainly what it means, what it means potentially what the Thunder have done schematically with Shea Gillis-Alexander as the season has progressed. I had fun writing it. I put a few few lines in there that I'm actually kind of proud of, so please feel free to go check out thefranchiseok.com where you can find all my other Thunder stuff, all my Thunder columns, blogs, and what have you at thefranchiseok.com. You can also subscribe to my other podcast for the Thunder, OKC82. That's a part of the Franchise Podcast Network. I also do Inside OU which is an OU football podcast. And the reason why I bring that up is, I don't know if I've said it on this podcast either, but I'm now running the Locked on Sooners podcast. Uh, John Hoover had been doing it for the last few months. I believe he did it all season, uh, this past football season. He wasn't able to continue, got too busy with life, and so he asked me to take care of it. And I've been doing the last three episodes. So Thunder fans out there that listen to this podcast that are also Oklahoma Sooner football, basketball, fans please feel free to jump over and subscribe to the locked on sooners podcast it's basically the same thing it's the same voice uh, i bring a little bit of a different perspective to that podcast than i do this podcast simply because i'm not a thunder fan so i cover it from an unbiased journalistic perspective as much as i can uh, whereas ou football ou basketball i'm a straight up fan i don't even try to pretend that i'm just some important little unbiased media person i'm just a straight up fan so you, you could just give it a chance maybe it'd be a little bit of a different perspective if you're interested. And also the best way to find all this stuff is just to simply follow me on Twitter at Brady Does Sports. But yeah, let's get right into it. The Oklahoma City Thunder dominated the Minnesota Timberwolves 117 to 104. Now, of course, the Timberwolves came out hot in the first quarter, outscoring the Thunder 33 to 30. Defensively, it gave me a little bit of pause moving forward because like I said, I was watching the national championship game and I had the 
the Thunder game on, like on my phone. I was following along on Twitter, and so I I, I had somewhat of a pick, somewhat of an idea of what was going on. But just from that limited perspective, I was a little worried considering that the last Thunder game, Oklahoma City gave up 41 points to the Lakers without LeBron, Anthony Davis, and Danny Green, and here the Thunder are playing the Timberwolves on the road with no Carl Anthony Towns, and they've scored 33 points. They've given up 33 points. Now, that's going to happen. What you ideally want to do as a team is if you're going to start hemorrhaging points quarter by quarter, you better match because the Thunder in that first quarter against the Lakers, they certainly didn't. They were outscored 41-19. to 33-30, far more manageable, especially if the war of attrition just kind of takes over. You start to out-talent your opponent, you start to out scheme your opponent. And that it, that's what the Thunder straight up did. Uh, they outscored the Timberwolves from there on out, of course, winning 117 104. And my goodness, was there some beautiful, beautiful, beautiful ball movement in this game? I mean, I'm sure everybody's seen that play where Shea Gildas Alexander comes off a screen, uh, throws it back to, I believe it was Dennis Schroeder who throws it to Stephen Adams, or no, Terrence Ferguson, excuse me, who throws it to Stephen Adams at the high post, who then a bounce pass to the baseline cutter in Terrence Ferguson who finishes with a dunk. I mean, I'll quote my buddy John Hamm uh, because he said it perfectly after watching the game. Uh, the Thunder just seriously need to take the ball movement from that game and make, and put a statue of it outside of Chesapeake Energy Arena. It was one of the more impressive passing games that I've seen the Thunder play, especially this season, which is saying something because even though the Thunder don't really rack up a lot of assists, they're still a team that racks up a lot of passes. It's a ball movement offense, make no mistake, but certainly one of the better passing games that I've seen over the last few years. Danil Gallinari with a season high, excuse me, with a season high 30 points, four rebounds, not a season high on the rebounds though. Terrence Ferguson, 14 points, a very good showing for him. Steven Adams, 13 and 11. Chris Paul, 10 points, 4 rebounds, 3 assists. It's funny, you know, you, some of these games you'll look at Chris Paul's stat line and it, it looks incredibly unimpressive. And even Chris Paul's season stat line doesn't really look that impressive. You look at it and you wouldn't think, uh, he's not an all-star. But that's why numbers never really tell the story. Chris Paul played an exceptional game leading this team, uh, running the offense, getting everybody propelled to move the basketball. Because when Chris Paul is humming doing the the wizardry that he's doing in the half court set and the half court offense it trickles down and you can just you can just tell he feeds Danil Gallinari he feeds Shea Gildas Alexander he feeds everybody and it just becomes such a fun system of basketball to watch Mike Muscala off the bench with 11 points shout out to Mike Muscala he gets buried every once in a while but certainly a good performance for him especially with no Nerlens Noel again last night you know, you're going to need guys like Muscala, Baisley, Diallo, Nader to make up with the scoring, especially when Dennis Schroeder, who had 14 points, kind of a, a letdown in scoring for him as of late. But again, when you've got a guy in Shea Gildas Alexander, and that's this is the real story here, 20 points, 20 rebounds, 10 assists, just absolutely incredible. And I'll just go ahead and read off some Interesting tidbits from the Thunder Communications Twitter account. Uh, Gildas Alexander's 18 rebounds at the time. He finished with 18 defensive boards. A little bit more on that later. Uh, his 18 rebounds at that time, career high. So obviously 20 is going to be his career high. Tied for most amongst guards in the NBA this season. He's tied with none, none other than Mr. Luka Doncic. And Gildas Alexander became the fifth player in Thunder history to record a triple-double. And I actually, I knew who... 
three of them were obviously it should come as it should surprise nobody Russell Westbrook obviously Mr. Triple Double Kevin Durant I remember had a handful of triple doubles in his time Paul George had one and last year and I believe that was the game where Russell and Paul George had a triple double in the win against Portland but Serge Ibaka also with a triple double in blocks so n- not a bad history for a young franchise with the triple double and Oklahoma City. Gildas Alexander is also the third guard to post a 20-point, 20-rebound game in the last 25 years, Russell Westbrook being the other one last year in the 2020-20 game, and then Ben Simmons from the Philadelphia 76ers. He's the fourth second-year player in NBA history to register a 2020 triple-double. The other the honor going the other honors going to Shaquille O'Neal, Charles Bar- Barkley, and the big O himself, Oscar Robertson. And obviously, I'm sure everyone has seen that Shea Gildas Alexander, at 21 years old and so many days old, is the youngest player since Shaquille O'Neal to have a 2020 rebound, to have a 2020 triple double in a game. Shaq did it with 20 rebounds, 28 rebounds, 20 some odd points, and 15 blocks. <laughs> Just Orlando Magic Shaq was so fun to watch. But again, an incredible, incredible performance by Shea Gildas Alexander. And also, the Thunder put out that since Thanksgiving, the Thunder's record of 17-6 and six is the fourth best record in the NBA behind only Milwaukee, the Lakers, and the Utah Jazz. But with Shea, it, it's really it's really amazing just the growth that we've seen in, in the short term. And I, 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 I've, had tru- I've had a little bit of trouble basically comprehending it because we, if you're following the Thunder as a fan, if you're following the Thunder like me as a media person – we're kind of all operating in this era, and I wrote about this in the Shea Gildas Alexander piece. We kind of all operate in this era of potential where it's not wise to get excited for the short term. It's not wise to get excited for a particular performance or a week-long performance. Um, Dennis Schroeder's last two months. Like, it's not it's not wise to get excited about that because, A, we don't know how long Dennis Schroeder's going to be with the Thunder. B, we don't know how long a certain play, another certain player is going to be with the Thunder. We have no idea what these players will develop into, and that includes Shea Gildas-Alexander, because uh, when, if and when Chris Paul, Danil Gallinari, Dennis Schroeder, anybody else is traded away from this team, those young guys no longer have the luxury of playing behind veteran leaders. It is then their team. It is their franchise at that point, and who knows how they're able to handle that. But having said all that, and looking at Shea's season on the whole thus far, you know, 40 games into it, we're almost halfway through the season, everybody. That was game number 40, Wednesday night in Oklahoma City against the Toronto Raptors. The Thunder will play their 41st game, and we will be officially halfway through the year in terms of numerical games. But you, you watch Shea Gildas-Alexander, and it's obvious, why, it's obvious that you can't help but be excited about the future because of his because of his skill set. But before we get any further in on that, let's go ahead and take a break. I need a break. You need a break. But we'll be right back talking more Shea Gilles Alexander and more Thunder stuff. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 
Welcome back to the Locked On Thunder podcast, everybody. At some point, I know this is going to happen, so I'm going to apologize. At some point, either on Locked On Sooners or this podcast, I'm going to say welcome back to and then say the wrong podcast. <laughs> I really need to write out a script sometimes, especially for the comebacks and the uh, lead-ins and what have you. But uh, back to Shea Gildas-Alexander, and I wrote about this in that piece, so please feel free to go check it out at thefranchiseok.com. But, you know, the first... 10, 12 games of the season, the story with Shea was just, wow, he can score. He can score at an all-star level. He was averaging around 21, 22 points per game, uh, seemingly putting out career career highs, um, scoring outputs. And the entire time, you know, when we'd ask Chris Paul or Billy Donovan about Shea, they would always steer clear from praising his scoring ability because they knew, just like we're all starting to figure out now, they knew the capability of Shea Gillis-Alexander, and it, and it shouldn't have been just limited to, limited to his scoring. Now, the next 13 to 14 games or so after Shea Gillis-Alexander started the season off pretty damn hot, Shea went through a dip. I, I believe I've said on this podcast or maybe on OKC82, I've really looked at this season as an extended rookie year, as an extended rookie year for Shea Gillis-Alexander because when he was with the Clippers last year, not only was he a rookie straight up, he was also the th- the third, fourth, and sometimes even the fifth scoring option for the Clippers, and now he comes to the Thunder, and schematically and philosophically, he's a lot of the times the primary scorer, especially when Danilo Gallinari isn't on the floor, he's either the first or the second scoring option until Chris Paul just decides, all right, I got to win us this game now. So it's a lot of new things that he's learning just from an offensive standpoint. It's also a lot of new things that it's being thrown thrown at him from a defensive standpoint where teams are actually gearing up scouting him and deciding how they want to attack him and defend him and he's had to navigate that and I think a lot of that kind of reared its ugly head in in the second 13 or 14 game stretch of the season where he was really struggling with not just scoring the basketball but being aggressive I mean his shots per game dropped from around 12 to about 9 or 10 certainly a drop in aggression but at the same time in that same stretch, that's about the time where the Thunder were starting to figure out, okay, we have a problem in the third quarter, we have a problem at the ends of games, we have a problem at the ends of halves, and that's when Chris Paul started to decide, all right, that's when I need to start attacking, that's when I need to start being aggressive, which is when, as as I wrote in the piece, that's when Chris Paul made clutch time his personal kingdom. And it set the foundation for the second 13-14 game stretch, which we are currently in at this moment, where Shea's scoring shot attempts have all gone back to where they were in the first 10 to 12 games of the season, around 20 points per game. Overall, he's at 20 points per game scoring on the year. Uh, the sh- like I said, the shot attempts went up. But also something that was a little subtle and kind of forgotten, his rebounding was slowly starting to rise. The first 10 or 12 games, he was about five rebounds a game. Second 10, 12 games, he was down to... like the low fives, high fours. And ever since the last, over the last two and a half weeks or so, he's been getting up into the seven, eight rebounds per game. And it kind of, it kind of jumped to my attention and I can't remember what game it was, but it was a game about two weeks ago where he had 10 rebounds and it was his first double, double uh, Shea Gillis Alexander on the season. He hadn't had a double, double with scoring and assists yet. Uh, was scoring and rebounds, and it made me kind of dig a little bit deeper into the numbers for the Thunder. And what do you know it? Fortunately, I asked Billy Donovan a question about Shea Gillis-Alexander's rebounding prior to the Lakers' loss on Saturday, because the way I see it, 
The Thunder, not a very athletic team, especially in comparison to the Russell Westbrook-led teams of the past. They don't run the floor very well, and when they play athletic teams that can run the floor, like the Lakers, for instance, they have a hard time keeping up with scoring because they just don't have the athletes from a speed, from a transition standpoint. But here's what Billy had to say about Shea's uh, rebounding increase over the last few weeks. Yeah, I think it goes back to what I said earlier, where I think early in the season, you know, he was scoring so well. I think it's easy to evaluate yourself on how well, you know, you're putting the ball in the basket. And I think for him as a player, there's so much more to his game. I mean, he's going to have nights where he doesn't maybe score or shoot the ball particularly well. But he can do things on the defense and the floor, and he can get on the defensive glass. And to your point, does give us a chance to start the break. So, you know, I think the biggest push that we have for Shea is just for him to be really to, – to get involved as much as he can into the game besides the scoring piece of it. So it's defending, it's rebounding, it's deflections, it's assists, it's getting in the paint, it's getting to the free throw line, like just trying to have him make sure that he understands that he's capable of having an impact in a lot of different areas. And then just a few days later, Shea Gillis-Alexander has a 20-rebound game. Goodness. 18 rebounds on the defensive glass. And that's the important thing for me. 18 defensive rebounds, I believe, leads the Thunder's all-time defensive rebounding output by a, by a guard, which is kind of surprising when you think about Russell Westbrook playing here for a decade. But if you also remember, Russell Westbrook did a his fair share of damage on, on the glass on the offensive end. He would rarely ever gobble up a ton of one thing, whether it be defensive boards or offensive boards. He would always have six, seven defensive rebounds, four or five offensive rebounds. But Billy's right. If Shea is going to find out and understand that he can impact the game in a lot of different ways other than his scoring, just because of his physical tools, six foot six, near seven foot wingspan, enough athleticism, enough speed, enough craft, and, and very, or, or he lacks in speed, he makes up with craftiness, a high basketball IQ, an understanding of when to attack, when to stand back and let others go to work. I mean, Shea can impact the game in so many ways, and he doesn't even have to have the basketball in his hands. And it pretty much gives Thunder fans an idea of where this franchise could potentially move towards over the next few years whenever Chris Paul is not with the Thunder anymore, and this is the Shea Gildas-Alexander show. It would it could potentially be a more fluid offense. Now, in the short term, we'll get into that a little bit later after this break. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah, and like I was saying, in the short term, I mean, as you know, the Thunder probably still in the basement. I believe they're at 22 now in terms of pace in the NBA. And that goes to goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Not a lot of athletes on this team in terms of speed, in terms of transition. Hamadou Diallo being one of the few. Shea Gillis-Alexander can get out in the fast break. But it wasn't really much of much of a desire for this team over the first 25 games. But over the last few weeks, with Shea Gillis-Alexander's increased rebounding, 
it's kind of gone into the Thunder understanding, okay, we need to do something in transition. We need to start a little bit faster sometimes, not all the time, because the Thunder's half-court offense is very, very good. Obviously, with Chris Paul in the pick and roll, that's going to be the case. But Shea Gillis Alexander becoming a little bit more comfortable in his role, becoming a little bit more comfortable with crashing the defensive glass, when he's able to get rebounds, the Thunder can go off on a pseudo fast break more times than not. And with that, over the last seven games, the Thunder's pace has crawled into the top 15 of the NBA. So they're no longer, at least in the last few weeks, in the last two weeks, they're not an awful pace team. Now, is that sustainable? That's a different question. But it is a small sample size, and it it also coincides with Shea Gildas-Alexander's rebounding ability. So again, all this, the 2020-10 game, incredible. Uh, A win on the road, very, very good, obviously, in the NBA but really, to me, the big story is just this game, this performance by Shea Gillis-Alexander was an absolute glimpse into what the Thunder could potentially be as a roster. A more fluid, versatile, team basketball-oriented offense, team basketball-oriented defense where you're not so heavily reliant on one person to do X. You're not so heavily reliant on another person to do Y. That was the Thunder for the first decade. They won a lot of games with it. They got to a finals. A lot of people would argue that they probably should have won a finals if Russell Westbrook doesn't get hurt in the Houston series in 2013. So I'm not I'm not here to say that that's the absolute wrong way to go. But if the Thunder want to try and do things a little bit differently, obviously they've invested in Shea Gillis-Alexander, which was the right move. But if you want to fully go in with Shea Gillis-Alexander, how they apply, how how Billy Donovan coaches Shea by saying, do a lot of different things. You do that with Hamadou Diallo. You do that with Darius Baisley. You do that with whoever is drafted. You do that with whoever you bring in from a philosophical standpoint. Make this roster more fluid and more versatile. And who knows, maybe the Thunder can actually be much, much better, much, much sooner than we're anticipating. Well, everybody, thank you so much for listening to Locked on Thunder podcast. And like I said, apologies for this one coming out a little bit later. But... Morning show kicks me right in the rear end, had to get some sleep, and as soon as I woke up, I jumped right on the computer and started recording, so I'll get this one out there as soon as possible for everybody, but until tomorrow, probably no uh, crossover this weekend just because, like I said, a little bit of a crazier schedule this week. I might, it just really depends, but as of right now, I don't really have anybody scheduled, but again... Everybody, thank you so much for listening to the Locked on Thunder podcast. Follow me on Twitter at Brady Does Sports, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.